Hey everyone, this is PJ. Uh, we are on Tuesday of Holy Week, only uh, less than four days now till uh, Jesus is arrested and tried and then crucified. So what happened on Tuesday of this week? Well, we see in the Gospel of Matthew and also Mark that uh, Jesus explains the parable of the fig tree or the the message that he gave concerning the fig tree on the previous day. I remember he had seen it fruitless and he cursed it and it withered and died and the disciples were confused and because Jesus wasn't trying to do something just simply physical in appearance but delivering a spiritual message that comes with that um, to call Israelites to repentance because their outward keeping of the law was found to be fruitless underneath. And then he charges them to, to pray um, in faith because you are then able to move mountains. Um, and that signifying this sort of ginormous barrier between God and man, uh, that faithful prayer, uh, trusting in uh, the Messiah, uh, the Christ, can deliver them um, and, and in a sense remove this great mountainous uh, barrier of sin and death that keeps God's people away from him. And then on that same morning, Jesus uh, enters the temple again and the crowds come and they come to hear him because his popularity again is still at its peak. Now what happens here is that the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, really intensify. And they come to Jesus and they ask him, and this is recorded in the Gospel of Mark chapter 11. By what authority are you doing these things or who gave you authority to do them? And that's because you know, they're supposed to be, according to the law, in charge of the temple. Not Jesus, not some carpenter, um, not some Galilean, um, but the priests and the, and the Pharisees. Jesus had no right to be doing what he was doing. He could be arrested for his actions. And that's partly why they wanted him crucified as well. Well, Jesus then goes on to question them in return, asks them, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And that leaves uh, the Pharisees a bit dumbfounded because they can't answer it either way. If they were to say from heaven, then the obvious follow-up would be, well, why didn't you then believe in Jesus whom John testified about? But if they were to, to respond by saying it's from man, then uh, the, the people would be angry because they held John in high esteem and they saw him as a prophet sent from God. And so because they were set out to deny Jesus and his authority, uh, they were uh, sort of stuck in this, in this question and they couldn't answer Jesus. And Jesus says, I will neither uh, answer you, your question. And then Jesus gives this very appropriate parable uh, that's very consistent with what he's been teaching. And that's the parable of the tenants. Uh, in that parable, uh, there's the vineyard owner and the vineyard and the son of the owner and the, the destruction and judgment on the evil tenants who kill the son. And then the giving of the vineyards uh, to others. So in that parable of the vineyard, the owner is God the vineyard is Israel, and all those who can take part of that and those who can be invited into the kingdom of God. And the son is Jesus. And the destruction of the evil tenants is God's judgment on uh, Israel's leaders. 
And the giving of the vineyard to others is the extension of God's kingdom to Gentiles. Now, the meaning of this was so obvious to the Jewish people, and especially to the Jewish leaders, that they were so angry with him. And they all the more uh, were determined to uh, put Jesus to death and uh, crucify him. Now, uh, what comes after that uh, is the leaders trying to put Jesus more out in the open for his position. And so they try to test him and make him say something a little bit more explicit and perhaps something more, a little more politically controversial. Um, so they ask him, as a way of testing him, this question about whether it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. Now, this is very important uh, because it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And underneath this question is really this anticipation that the Israelites had about this Messiah coming to restore the Israelites, their land and their kingdom, and liberating them from all their oppressors and invaders. And if Jesus is the Messiah, then he must. Uh, He must remove Caesar from his reign and restore Israelites and restore the kingdom of David. Now, is that what he will do? That's what's sort of in, in, in the air right now. That's the tension right now. And Jesus' answer uh, is really wise and very clever uh, in that uh, he doesn't really paint himself either as this political revolutionary nor as someone who is a uh, political conformist to Rome. Jesus instead says this, Give to God the things that are God's, and to Caesar, the things that are Caesar's. So in that sense, what he is saying is uh, in areas where, where uh, Caesar reigns, pay taxes to him. Uh, at the same time, if you understand uh, God's reign and his rule and how his image is graven on all of humanity, all of us, then be sure that you offer yourself to God as well. And that answer just silences the Jewish leaders, and they're no longer able to question him. Um, so this question of the law uh, is is highlighted here, and then it comes to a nice resolution in a sense when an expert of the law follows up with Jesus and asks him, okay, then which commandment of God is the greatest? And you see this in Matthew 22 and Mark 12. Um Jesus' response to that question is, by quoting Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, um, the question of whether you are lawful as opposed to lawless is whether you have this love of God in your heart and whether you have a love for your neighbors that stem from the love of God dwelling inside you. And, you know, that gives the expert of the law some pause and and then he says, Yes, you're right, teacher, you've answered correctly. That is actually the, the sum of the entire law, the heart of the law, as it were. And Jesus says this to him. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And notice he doesn't say here, you're in the kingdom of God. He says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And that's because Jesus has been reiterating this time and time again. Understanding the law in your mind or abiding by the law with your behavior is not sufficient for you to enter the kingdom of God. You must love the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. 
And so that's why all throughout the Bible, from the Old to the New Testament, he's been saying, you got to love me and obey me with your heart. Uh, otherwise, your obedience to the law is meaningless. And okay, how do we acquire this heart then? How do we acquire this heart that desires after God and his law and obedience to him and pleasing him? Well, which God says, I have to myself, write my law on your hearts, on the tablet of your hearts, not written on stone with ink, but on your hearts. And in order for that to happen, I must sprinkle you with clean water and cleanse you and give you a new heart. And that's symbolizing what Jesus will do for us. He will sprinkle our hearts clean with his blood through his sacrifice and give us a new heart, a heart like his, a heart that cries out, Abba, Father, and a heart that wants to please the Father. And this is what is most important for us to keep in mind. Uh, as we reflect on the Tuesday of Holy Week, let's, let's reflect on this. Uh, whether in our desire, in our hearts, there is room for God. Or are we just giving God our behavior, our verbal sort of allegiance? But is there something deep inside our hearts that cries out to God as Father and finds rest in Him like little children? And is there a deep desire to please Him because He has loved us in such an overwhelming way? Uh, is there a desire that's, that's flowing out of that? And also understanding that uh, we, on our own, cannot accomplish this. We cannot fully keep the law. And that's why the good news is we're not under the law, but under grace. Um, the law of the Spirit that sets us free. And that law is the law that's fulfilled by Jesus Christ, who said himself, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He is our hope. He fulfills what we cannot. That's Therefore, he must be our substitutionary lamb he must be our high priest he must be our prophet and he must be our king so let's look to him let's turn to turn our attention to him today and let's find our rest in him <laughs>